2: Connect to more.
0: It's only three months old. Does that make it old school? I don't know. We're kicking it back old school. Well, that's the intro song for this show for about three years. We got a new show. But it's a Friday, so we're playing the old intro anyways. Welcome in to the Now. It's on 1029 ESPN Missoula, as well as statewide on SWX Montana Television. If you want to watch us anywhere on your live streaming devices, that's easy. All you have to do is go to our station website, 1029ESPN.com. Click on the Listen Live button, and you'll find the live stream The live stream is presented by Opportunity Bank of Montana, Opportunity Bank, your local bank, your opportunity. Got a jam-packed show today. All the guests that are going to be joining me, they're all going to be joining me via the Rangish Brothers RV phone line. I'll give you the number. You're probably not going to be able to get in via call because we're going to be on the phone for most of the day. But you will be able to get in via text, 406-361-3688. That's 361-3688. All you got to do is text that number, and uh, producer Reese will send that right along to me. But we have to keep the line clear for now because in about 15 minutes, we're going to go to the Rangish Brothers RV phone. I welcome in Brooks Nuana at SkylineSportsMT.com, my business partner, my baby brother, and the birthday boy. He's turning the big three-zero on Sunday, so happy birthday to Brooks. Super cool that he's uh, able to be in town to celebrate with us and his family, but uh, he wasn't able to quite make it here on time, but that's okay, so we'll get around to... Uh, Brooks and some thoughts on Montana State. The new hirings of the two coordinators, Taylor Housewright and Freddie Banks. Those guys gave press conferences. We're gonna hear from both of them here in just a quick minute. We also are gonna talk some Big Sky Conference basketball, both the men's and women's sides as well. And about 4:45, this is gonna be very cool. Our weekly that we do this every week. Our mattress firm, stew in the Week Sabrin Knight. She is a Sentinel senior right here in Missoula, and. I can't even keep it all straight. It would take me at least a minute to run down everything that this young lady does. She's a champion caliber track and field athlete. She has competed on the national level in track and field. She also is a freelance photographer who's making a little money on the side by being creative. That's very cool. She also uh, works with the Sentinel Occupation chapter, and she is a student board member for the Missoula Education Foundation, and much more. And how cool is this? She's also a triplet. So I, this this will be a first in my career ever interviewing a triplet. So uh, stay tuned for that. About four forty five our Mattress Firm Student of the Week. Top of the hour, our good buddy Sam Herder from Hero Sports is going to swing on by. We're going to talk spring football, both on the national FCS level as well as at, on the Big Sky Conference level. And then, of course, it is a Friday. Our good friend Carolyn is also going to stop by for our uh, Chick Who Doesn't Know Sports, And presented by the Iron Grizz, one of our favorite segments that we do. Uh, each and every week. Before we get to these interviews with the Montana State Coordinators, it is a Friday, so that means I'm drinking myself a Lotus. It's a birthday weekend, so hey, you know I'm going to stay up late, probably both nights, but excited for the weekend, and you should be too. It is a Friday, so that means you can stay up late as well. Head on over to a Florence Coffee Company. No matter where you're at in Missoula or Montana, there's a Florence Coffee Company near you. These these Lotuses are sort of... Uh, they're like healthy, organic-style. Energy drinks kind of get a bad connotation. This is like a lot of vitamin B and some super fruits and things like that. So Florence Coffee Company, they're doing it right. Be careful with the Lotus, though, if you go drink a whole one. Man, sometimes gets you a little fired up. But no matter where you're at in Missoula or Montana, there's a Florence Coffee Company near you. we got to get to some of this sound before we welcome in Brooks and So we're going to get right to it. Taylor Housewright, he is a 32-year-old who has spent his, car- his young career working for a couple of the best offensive minds in the West. He worked for Brent Vegan as a quality control guy at Wyoming. That was when Vegan was the offensive coordinator for the Pokes. And then he also worked recently for Joe Morehouse. Joe Morehouse has made stops at Penn State, Mississippi State, and now Oregon. So Taylor Housewright has been mentored by one of the hot minds in college football. Uh, Taylor Housewright, he has an interesting way of going about things. I think that he has a, a different, atypical perspective. And maybe what we're used to, and uh, I think that's a t- uh, product of him being a really young guy. It'd also be fascinating what it's like for him working for a offensive minded head coach like Brett Vegan, who I think will have a, a heavy um, influence in the play calls. Here's Taylor Housewright, his debut on Nuana is now. You're listening to 1029 ESPN Missoula. Just thanks to the timeline of, of this, obviously you worked with Coach Vegan at, at Wyoming, so when did this first land kind of on your radar, and what are your just initial thoughts about being the offensive coordinator at of Montana
1: State? Um, Well, obviously very, very excited. This has been a very successful program. Um, Obviously, in the past five years, they've won a lot of games, got some guys playing in the NFL. And obviously, it's beautiful uh, to be out here by the mountains. I can't – it's pretty awesome. But, um, you know, I was with Coach Vegan in 2018 um, and then got an opportunity to go to Mississippi State with Joe Moorhead, kind of see how obviously two different structures offensively – Wyoming and then kind of what Coach Moore has done at Penn State, Mississippi State and now at Oregon got to follow him to Oregon. Um, So kind of happened quick. You know, I know Coach Vegan was um, wanting to be a head coach eventually and he's been very successful Um, and kind of have, you know, he called me and asked me if I'd be interested. Um, And obviously I said yes. You know, I wanted to talk with Coach Moorhead. Obviously, you know, he's a mentor of mine as well. Um, And um, he said, yeah, it's a no brainer. Great school. Great guy. Um, Good head coach. Um, so I'd say a few days before probably he even got the job, you know what I mean, is when I kind of found out about it. So it happened pretty quick. But um, I trust him. Um, I think he's going to do a heck of a job. Um, and I think that's the biggest thing in this profession is working for people you trust and you're willing to kind of go to battle, per se, with every week.
0: What are just your general uh, offensive philosophies?
1: Uh, score a lot of points is number one um but kind of how we get that um obviously this this program and this school has been uh, hung their hat on being physical and that's what we're going to do regardless of what we do offensively you have to win the line of scrimmage and i think that's true at any level of football um, whether you're going down to middle school peewee high school low-end college uh, high-end college or in the nfl okay you got to be physical to line of scrimmage Um, and we've been able to do that they've done a heck of a job recruiting we've got good players um, and I think our O-line has a chance to, to be really, really good this year. Um, outside of that, we want to get the ball to different people, okay? distribute it around the field, um, keep the defense running sideline to sideline instead of just uh, straight ahead in front of them. Um, I think the biggest thing in college football today is tackling, right, with all the things going on. And um, you want to try to get as many one-on-one tackles as possible and, and, and make sure they are a defense that, I think Coach will say too. A good defense tackles well, and a good defense pursues the ball. And we're going to challenge that every week to make sure that they are doing that. Um, Outside of that, you want to be the aggressor on offense. You don't want to be sitting on your heels. You want to take your shots when they present themselves. Um, If you're going to run the ball, I think you got to have you got to play action it, okay? Um, and, And change tempos. You know, I think that's another big thing is is having the ability to slow it down versus speed it up. You know what I mean? I think that's something some people go one tempo. Um, I'd like to say we're going to be multiple, um, and we're basically going to do what we're good at, what our players can do versus what the defense is poor at. It comes down to that. Um, You know, and and hopefully we can coach our guys up well enough to learn the system. It's going to be the same things. We're going to run the ball. We're going to take shots, and we're going to spread it out. Um, Terminology might change a little bit, but our kids are amazing and hungry and want to learn. The culture that has been built here, Um, But we're not coming in and changing anything. We're just trying to help make it better, kind of bring some new ideas. Um, Obviously, offensively, we've got our staff. um, Most of it is guys that have been here, and that's been a huge blessing. We spent an entire day just going over the depth chart and the roster, um, and that was huge help for me to kind of catch me up on what guys can do, uh, where we need to improve, and what we've done well.
0: This day and age in college football, Everybody runs so many elements of everything, right? I mean, there's not really, you know, you you can kind of run, you can have sort of a basic identity, but you can implement all sorts of stuff, whether it's RPO or option or whatever. So how do you go about like making your identity? Is it it just personnel based then when you're kind of trying to craft your scheme each season?
1: Yeah, I think it is. I think you have a system that can go in different directions. You know, I think good offenses, you look at the top five offenses every year. Pretty much they get their best players the ball, you know, and they do things either. If their quarterback's a runner, they run their quarterback. If their quarterback's a passer, they try to protect them, let them throw. Um, I don't think you want to – you in today's game, recruiting is national at whatever level you're at. So you just want to get the best players you can get and then have a system in place that can kind of um, tailor it to those guys. If you got speed receivers, big receivers, running quarterback, throwing quarterback, speed back, strong back, um, O-line, can you get guys that can um, – Run people over. Are they pass protectors? What is that? You know, Again, I don't think we want to hamstrung ourselves from recruiting. It's already hard enough. Um, so get the best players you can get and kind of have a system that will fit to them. And, and last question from me, how do you
0: hope to blend some of the influences that you've had uh, into, into now your first offensive coordinator job? And how did guys like uh, Coach Morehouse uh, influence you in the past?
1: Oh yeah, I mean, I can. I had five offensive coordinators when I was in college playing, and each of them are pretty successful. Um, Matt Lafleur, who's obviously the head coach of the Green Bay Packers. Uh, Joey Lynch, who's now at Vanderbilt. Mike Bath, who's at co-offense coordinator at Western Michigan. Um, Jeff Castle, Jeff Castle, who's an Indiana State offensive coordinator. Um, Tom Stacy, who's still at Ashland University, but he was Charlie Fry's uh, quarterback coach at Akron back in the day, um, and then obviously. Um, my experience is coaching with Chuck Martin, who was at Notre Dame, and I GA'd for him. And then going to Joe Fenchman, who coaches at Wittenberg, has been an O line guy and won a bunch of games. Backdashing for Lee Owens, who I played for, but then coached for, and kind of see the pro style system that he had um, and the simplicity at quarterback you know, that he created. Um, all the way now to Wyoming with Coach Vegan. Obviously, we know his track record with quarterbacks um, and his detail and passion for the position and kind of the things we've done. Um at Wyoming, all the way to Coach Moorhead, who I've recently been with, who has uh, been a huge influence, kind of opened my eyes, because I've been in the pro style system, and his was the spread system, so um, I think you get a piece, I think that's the beautiful part of college coaching, when you bounce around, you get a little piece of everybody, you know what I mean, and kind of see how you can blend that together, that's the fun part, I guess that's the nerdy part that I enjoy, and why I stare at my computer, my wife calls and bothers me all the time, um, but um i think the best part is taking all that that you've gotten just like an artist would right you know a painter they they see different people um and kind of piecing that together to create your own little style within the people that you have in your players you know it's not about me it's about this school it's about this team and it's about the players but hopefully my experiences can help those guys accomplish their goals and the school accomplish their goals and coach vegan um by being able to blend it all together um and, and, and kind of venture out towards what they do good or do well, excuse me, bad English.
0: So you go with Taylor House, right? New offensive coordinator at Montana State. we got to keep plowing through these. Freddie Banks is also a young guy. Uh, he's in his early 30s as well. Put this in perspective. He was on the North Dakota State team that beat the Bobcats in the 2010 playoffs. That was sort of the first breakthrough win of NDSU. They lost the following week in the quarterfinals to Eastern Washington, who was the eventual national champs. But then NDSU has won all but one national championship since then. They've only lost eight games since then. It's been an absolutely amazing run. So uh, Freddie Banks is an NDSU alum. That's where he first crossed paths with New Montana State head coach Brent Vegan. And now I spent last year as the secondary coach at Nevada. He spent a couple years at Stephen F. Austin as well in the Southland Conference. So he has FCS experience. He hasn't been. A defensive coordinator or a defensive play caller uh, since his first gig out of high or out of college, excuse me, uh, at Minnesota Moorhead State, and uh, so this will be an interesting transition. First time play callers, both sides of the ball for the Bobcats. Here's Freddie Banks, a couple minutes from his press comments earlier on this week. Freddie Banks was also introduced as the defensive coordinator. He has never been a defensive coordinator at the Division One level, but he has been both a Division Two and high school defensive coordinator. He's an NDSU alum. He's a really young guy. He played in the 2010. NDSU win over Montana State in the playoffs. So he's in his early thirties. Spent last year as the secondary coach at Nevada, and he was asked about his basic defensive philosophy to lead
3: his appearance in the press conference. Um kind of like what they've done before. You know, I hope I hope when you look at our defense that we're playing really, really hard and we're running to the ball and guys are having a whole lot of fun and the effort that they play with is going to be um, challenge every day, and it's going to be coach hard. And I think it's already been built in those guys. as a great culture for those guys. Um, what we do is is going to be simple, so our guys can play really, really fast, and they know exactly what they're going to do. So now we can really focus on uh, what the offense is trying to do to us and how they're trying to attack us. Um, and then I think defense is all about you know having fun, playing together, understanding that my job is important, everybody doing their 111th, um a lot of things that they've already built here that we're going to um you know tweak things a little bit but you know a lot of a lot of things are in place to keep that type of culture and that type of playing hard playing fast and playing together um
0: well, I wanted to ask a follow up on something you said earlier which I thought was interesting. You mentioned uh, how there could be a lot of positives to having multiple coaches particularly when you're talking about position coaches and I think sometimes There's a a negative connotation when guys have a lot of Mm -hmm. coaches, but it seems like you can add a lot to the mix if guys have, they've learned from a lot of different teachers throughout their careers. So, I mean, do you think that that's true?
3: Um, I could just take you back to my playing days. And I had, you know, Willie Garza was my first DB coach. And then I had, um, I had Mike Bresky was the next DB coach. And then Brian Ward was the next DB coach. And all of them were different. Um, and I learned a lot and you take, you know, Willie Mack was a really great technician and you learned a lot from him about that. And he was a great teacher and, um, Mike Brexley was really good at teaching press and Brian Ward was really good at talking about, uh, disguise and how we can affect the quarterback and get the quarterback to change his eyes. So it's actually helped me as a coach to learn from those guys. And I think it helps those guys in a new perspective. And sometimes a the guy, there's some guys that may have been in a the doghouse that may need a fresh start. Right. Um, and it helps those guys. It's a fresh start. It's a clean slate. Um, and hopefully, those guys say, "All right, it's a clean slate. Maybe, maybe I wasn't playing so well. or Maybe I've, you know, underachieved. Well, you got a chance to achieve high and, and achieve your goal." So um, I've seen it happen everywhere I go. There's a guy in the room that. You get there, and man, he really hasn't been what we thought he was going to be, and he ends up being a player, and it been really, really good. So you come in with a fresh mind, and I watch film on the guys just to see him move around, but it's a clean slate for those guys.
0: You mentioned Coach Bresky. That's interesting. My brother actually played for Coach Bresky once upon a time as well, but will you reach out to him? Because he's a guy that has a lot of connections within this league. I know he's on the opponent's sideline sometimes at the University of Idaho now, but I mean, how much Is he an influence of yours defensively?
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I spent a small time with Coach Bresky. Sure, um, he was he was at North Dakota State for one year. So, sure, I mean, you can learn a lot from from a lot of people. But the big influences for me, Scotty Hazleton, who was the defensive coordinator, he's had a, a major influence on my, you know, what I believe in and and uh, and and what I've learned. Um, Brian Ward, um, uh, Willie McGarza, um Jake Dickert, uh, A.J. Cooper, a lot of those guys. I've um, really stolen bits and pieces from them and kind of created my own kind of deal. So um, a lot of guys have, have influenced me, you know, so it'll it's you. nobody really um, makes something up themselves. You all kind of right. steal from somebody. And I've stolen bits and pieces from a lot of people <laughs> and uh, kind of cre- made it my own. And I think it'll be fun.
0: The fact that you're taking over now this job, and uh, I mean, I'll give you my opinion. I think you guys got the best front seven in the Big Sky Conference, so that has to uh, that has to be pretty appealing as a defensive coordinator.
3: Oh yeah. Well, it starts up front. If you want to, you got to stop the run. Everybody, everybody in the country wants to run the ball. Even the Air Raid teams, if they can run the ball, they're going to run the ball. We got to be able to stop the run, and we're in a league where they want to run the ball. We got to stop it. Um, If you do that, you make teams one dimensional. And now you got um, a Madre and Hardy and pass rushers that can go get after the quarterback. We got, it. We got, we got a front seven that, that is going to have an opportunity to do really good things up front, stop the run and get them a chance of rushing a passer. We're gonna, I'm excited. I'm um, about ready to jump out of my seat right now. So we get, they've built a really good roster and handed it over to us, and it's our job to make it work.
0: Last question for me, i got to ask you the obligatory Troy Anderson question. So I know there's been quite the fight between the uh, coordinators of Montana State the last couple of years, which side of the ball is going to play. But I mean, presuming he's going to play some defense at least, what do you think of his talent and the, the weapon that he might be for you?
3: Troy, I wish you could have sat in the meeting today. We got coaches fighting over him. <laughs> um, uh, uh, Daly told me he might be the fastest guy on the team. They told me it was a freaking first-team all-conference as the quarterback. I mean – As a dude, sophomore, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he'll have a role on our defense. <laughs> we just got to figure out who's, who's going to win the fight over him to keep him. So they're excited about I mean, we're. I mean, he's, he's a guy that, that we're going to utilize um, probably in a couple of different ways because he's, he understands football. A guy that can go back there and take snaps, he understands football. Um, so we're 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 really excited about him. I wish you could have sat in on that meeting today. You you see the real excitement in that staff room. So,
0: I, I actually
4: we'll have, have one a, more we'll question. Role for him?
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, you mentioned Bobby Daly. I got to ask one more question about Bobby. Then uh, the fact that he's a guy that has such institutional knowledge at Montana State, has you know played here and, and has been around the program for so long. I mean, how much will you lean on him just in terms of kind of learning the ropes of what Montana State's all about?
3: Yeah, you never know how guys are going to respond to a new coordinator coming in and you're kind of changing some things and they've been successful, but he's been like the best. He's been, he's a, number one, he's an awesome dude just to hang out with and to talk to. And he's a, we, we talked about some install stuff and talk ball It's very clear that he's a really good football coach. So I got to fill our a linebacker is going to continue to be really, really good. And, um, And he loves ball, and we got a lot in common. So I'll lean on him a bunch just on, hey, what do you think here? Hey, what have you guys done that we can add that's similar to what we do but will fit? And he knows the personnel better than anybody. Him and Kyle, they, you know, hey, this guy kind of fits this. This is what we're looking for. All right, he's done this, this, and this. We We can utilize him this way. Or this guy, all right, you asking him to do that, that's probably not the best for him because of these reasons. So oh, we we're definitely leaning on leaning on him a bunch, and he's awesome dude. You never know how guys are going to respond to a new guy coming in. He's been awesome. I anticipate him being awesome the whole way through. So,
0: There you go, Freddie Banks. His Nuwana is now debut. He's the new defensive coordinator for Montana State. We're going to give some feedback, some analysis of this right on the other side of Nuwana is now. Brooks Nuwana from SkylineSportsMT.com will join me on the other side. It's 102.9 ESPN Missoula Statewide, SWX, Montana Television.
2: Hi, this is Kim from the Wingate in Missoula. If you need a break from the everyday same old, same old, we want to be your home away from home. With comfortable rooms, a great breakfast, and a super fun indoor water park, the Wingate of Missoula is the ideal place for a quick getaway without having to go away. Let us give your family a little quality time together, Or ask us about our birthday parties. Work like an adult, play like a child, and sleep like a baby at the Wingate of Missoula.
0: What's up, everybody? Happy Friday. Thanks for riding with us. You're listening to Nuanez Now, your one-stop shop for all things sports around the Treasure State each and every weekday from 4 to 6 p.m. right here on 1029 ESPN Missoula, as well as statewide on SWX Montana Television if you want to give us a call and shoot us a text, right now you got to shoot us a text because we're about to go to the Rangers Brothers RV phone line just a quick minute. If you want to get into the show, it's easy, 406-361-3688. That's 361-3688. And keep it right here because Brooks and Watt will be joining us in just a minute. We also have a great interview coming up with Sabrina Knight. She's a senior at Missoula Sentinel, a great track athlete and also involved in a whole bunch of really cool stuff. Love young people that are pursuing uh, their creative dreams, not just their athletic dreams. So we'll catch up with her about 445. And then top of the hour, Sam Herder from Hero Sports is going to hop on and talk some spring football across the FCS, particularly the Big Sky Conference. I know the Montana schools are not participating, but there is a full slate of Big Sky Conference games. We do now go to the Rangers Brothers RV phone line. Welcome in. The birthday boy, Brooks Nuana's. We're doubling it up on Nuana's Now we do this every once in a while, mostly on Fridays. Brooks, how you living? How you doing, my man?
4: Doing super awesome, man. Uh... February it turns the page pretty quick to March
0: but it still feels like winter around here so uh it means birthday season it feels good man birthday season indeed basketball season indeed and uh we've had a lot of football news the last 6 or 8 weeks as well uh for those that don't know brooks is my partner and and uh creative inspiration at com. um He does all the photos, I write all the words, we collaborate all the things together, but we couldn't be able to cover this great conference or the two Montana schools in particular like we do uh, without the collaboration that we do. And Brooks is in Bozeman most of the time. I'm in Missoula most of the time, but we do flip-flop back and forth quite a bit as well. But the big news out of Bozeman the last couple weeks has been uh, the building of the coaching staff for Montana State. Brett Vegan, hired as the head football coach at Montana State. He elected to retain most of his staff, did bring in a couple new guys, including new offensive and defensive coordinators. And so we just heard from both Taylor right and Freddie Banks. Uh, Brooks, just broadly, it seems interesting to me, the dynamic that you would retain most of your position coaches, but that you're going to implement new schemes on both sides of the ball. Brett Vegan said in his introduction to these two guys that he said – what fans in the stands will see would largely look the same, but then went on to say that they're going to start running a four-man front on defense instead of a three-man front, so it's largely not going to be the same. And offensively, they they want to have this kind of smash-mouth identity, but you have to just think there's some new folds. So what do you think of just the concept of a pretty darn good team now inheriting uh, new offensive and defensive coordinators?
4: Yeah, I think it's pretty interesting. I I don't know if it's the way I'd go about it, that's for sure, but I, I do think that the coordinator positions are obviously going to be really important for a head coach to name and kind of for a head coach to put his identity on a program. Mostly because coordinators have so much influence on their side of the ball. I'll be interested to see how much vegan wants to be involved on offense Uh, being, you know, a longtime play caller himself. I think that's probably some of his interest as far as hiring some pretty young guys that maybe he could help mold and mentor, but also be involved with. Uh, But defensively, with such a success that Montana State has had so much success with the three-man front uh, for quite a few years now. and It'll be really interesting to see that transition. Um, both coaches are really young, and I, I think you can kind of hear that in their experience or kind of when they were breaking down some of the questions you had for them. Uh, both seemed like really young guys and, and, and on paper as well as in person. So that part is, is definitely interesting. Retaining the staff, I think during COVID was a was a, a goal for Montana State and Athletic Director Leon Costello. Uh, but I, you know, we've talked about it before. It's not really something I've ever seen. So how it'll work, that'll be really interesting to see.
0: There's a whole bunch of things I want to get to here. But it is important to note that Brent Vegan has coached quarterbacks and been an offensive coordinator for most of the last 15 years. He's coached offense exclusively during his 22-year coaching career. He coached tight ends early on at North Dakota State, then he coached some running backs, then moved to quarterbacks, and then he's been an OC for basically the last 11, 12 years. So he's been the primary play caller at NDSU and then at Wyoming. And so when, when the news first leaked that a guy who used to be a quality control guy – for him at Wyoming, who is Taylor Housewright, was going to take the job. I thought to myself, oh, that makes sense because you have uh, basically a guy that you're going to groom into becoming your protege while you still largely probably run the offense. So I, so I thought that, okay, this guy's going to be like the the co-offensive coordinator or like the, the offensive coordinator junior underneath Brent Vegan. But I just then expected when they made that hire – that they would then go out and get an experienced defensive coordinator. I thought that you know there might be some names that were familiar to people around the state of Montana that were popping up. Uh, you know, Andy Thompson, for example, at Sac State, a guy that played at Montana and has been in the Big Sky for the better part of 20 years, with stops in Northern Arizona and Sac State. Or you know, I mean, it, there's a lot of different names that you could think of that are familiar with this conference, or even maybe guys that aren't familiar with this conference, but you know, have some some experience calling defenses. I think that Freddie Banks is a very charismatic guy. He seemed very sharp, and I think he has a lot of good ideas. But that said, I think that calling defensive plays in the line of fire, especially when you have an offensive-oriented head coach, uh, it seems like the lack of experience there, it could be a a glaring, I don't want to say red flag, but this could be a a huge concern coming into the season. Yeah, I kind of see it as such. I mean,
4: I I, I think that the talent that Montana State has on Uh, really on both sides of the ball, especially on both line of scrimmages, Uh, but defensively, the front seven, and just kind of as a whole, uh, really dominant unit, and and an experienced unit that returns quite a bit, and it's really where they've hung their hat, so I agree with you, It's, it's, it's an interesting move to try to bring in a young guy that really has never called plays at this level. You know, He's called plays a couple different stops in his tenure, including in high school, but it's it's a different beast when you're talking about uh, Division one level. So with that being said, I think some of the talent, maybe the first year or maybe the first couple years, depending on how things go, I think some of the talent uh, that Montana State has defensively can cover up some inexperience with play calling. but. I thought it was an interesting hire, you know, especially for a guy uh, that wants to implement a new system with none of his own position coaches, per se, You know, um, with so many guys being retained. I know they'll maybe have a, a spot or two that, that, that rotates around, but uh, the, I think that they're probably banking on the talent helping him come along a little bit quicker than maybe he would have without it.
0: From a recruiting standpoint, it is Nuanes now on 102.9 ESPN Missoula as well as statewide on SWX Montana Television. From a recruiting standpoint, though, Brooks. Brooks Nuanes, by the way, joining us on the Rangish Brothers RV phone line. Recruiting, though, to me, I think you run an odd man front in college football in today's day and age for several reasons. One, I think that it helps you put more speed on the field. I think it helps you so that you don't get spread out as easily. And I think it also helps you because you have a lot of flexibility because you can sometimes stand up some of your edge guys or you can have multiple edge guys, one down, one up. But also you can then play – 3 DB looks, or like Montana State did last year where they played a lot of big nickel with a third safety on the field. And even sometimes they would play three safeties and a nickel and just a single linebacker with the defensive front. And I think that helps, especially in a league that has a lot of teams that run so much spread stuff and that have so many different types of dual threat quarterbacks. I also think, though, it it makes it a little bit easier to recruit, particularly in this neck of the woods, because I think that there's just a lot more linebacker-type bodies, safety-type bodies, defensive-end-type bodies. Now, with a four-man front, you're going to now have to recruit multiple different types of inside guys. Now, Montana State, the last several years, have recruited you know, a couple of the kind of like 5 eye style J.J. Watt-type guys that are hand-in-the-ground all the time as a strong end but have kind of a DND D-end, D-tackle hybrid body. But then they've also had a bunch of true noses, guys like Tucker Yates, and uh, guys like you know Tua Areta, James Williams, guys that are you know your standard portly plugs right in the middle of the defensive line. Well, now you're going to have to have multiple guys on the interior. I just think I just think that those guys are just harder to find.
4: They are harder to find at this level, you know, especially that position on the inside that you're speaking of is such a position of, based on projection because it really is very few. Uh, young men in high school that are physically able to play that position right out of, right out the gates so it's a developmental position as far as you have to put on the weight and you have to gain the strength to play inside like that so i agree playing having to recruit the depth of that the inside position oftentimes is hard to find um, a lot of those guys that end up getting you know ticked up to the fbs or you know, the projection game has been a little bit more unstable. And as you also mentioned, too, I think Montana State has, you know, both these coaches and including both coordinators as well as Vegan have talked extensively about football this day and age. It's about tackling. It's about tackling in the open field. Um, and when you play with, with the three-man, the odd-man front, uh, that nose tackle, is when he, if he's playing at a proficient level or at a great level, like they have some guys you mentioned like Tucker Yates, then all of a sudden you're taking on a double team every time. If there's not a running quarterback, then it's eleven versus ten, and if you take on a double team, then you got a uh, then you got ten versus uh, nine, and that's a it's, it's an advantage as far as uh, what that looks like up front, and you let more linebackers, more of those open field athletic styles of body, be able to run and pursue the football instead of just take up uh, you know a gap and, and, and a and a kind of a battle up front. So I do think it's an interesting move. Um, it's it's usually kind of the opposite way. Most four man fronts this day and age end up kind of getting converted to a three man front. It's very rare, at least in my, in in, what I'm trying to recollect in the last decade for you to have a very successful three man front and switch it to a four man. So it's kind of a different thing, but as far as the coordinator's experience goes, I'm sure he has some, you know, some concepts that are really important to him as far as that four man front
0: goes. The, most intriguing thing i think that both of the new coordinators touched on in those interviews were the the concept that they're not necessarily actually trying to build a system and then recruit to it instead they're trying to recruit great players and then build the system around it house said it straight out like if we got a good offensive line and guys that can run counter that's what we're going to run if we got guys that we think that we can stretch the field with we're going to run it and i think that that's one thing that i think that is intriguing about this, if you continue, if you want to watch the whole press conference, these guys actually talked for about half an hour each. I thought once they got rolling, they were really good. But Housewright, he, him, he and I talked about how this day and age in college football, even if you are a quote unquote run team, you're still running a lot of spread. Montana State's a great example. They're spreading it out as much as almost anybody in the league even though they don't throw the ball that much. You look at a team like um, Montana. They, They are so multiple and all over the place on offense but they actually go under center more than almost any team in the league. Weber State, even though they have this uh, reputation as being sort of a three yards in a cloud of dust type team, they still run a ton of spread options, elements as well. So I guess what I'm saying is pretty much everybody runs everything, and I just wonder if that's kind of where they're at, if they just kind of build schemes around the talent that they got. And I think that's where you do have a little leeway if you're these coordinators, because what's the hardest thing to do as an offensive coordinator other than find solid schemes for the personnel you got? It's finding the guys to block for you. Well, Montana State should have the best offensive line in the league. That's a huge security net for Taylor House, right? What's the toughest part of um – defensive play, uh, being a defensive coordinator, other than the play calling and the line of fire and all that. It's finding dudes who can eat up the middle, and they got that. They have seniors in Chase Benson and John Clark who should be probably the best interior duo in the league. They have experienced inside linebackers in Calhan O'Reilly and Michael Jobin are both seniors. And then you have great edges with Daniel Hardy and Amandre Williams and Troy Anderson. So um, I thought actually what a lot of what Housewright said specifically was refreshing, Brooks, in the fact that he basically said, we're not sitting here trying to try to put a round peg through a square hole so to speak we're just going to run what, what makes us best. And like he he made fun of football coaches a little bit. He said, we're not that smart, so let's just keep it simple. Let's play fast. Let's have fun. That part, to me, I thought was refreshing because I do think a lot of times these coaches, especially coordinators, they get so stuck in trying to run their stuff rather than just catering to, you know, just throw the good guy the ball. Just line him up in the slot and throw the good player the ball on third and seven. You know what I mean?
4: I do know what you mean. it. I agree with you, but I also disagree and there's there's a reason for uh, the, the, the 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 systems and the styles that coaches bring to different programs there's very, there's a reason that very few guys are able to just completely run new offenses every year it's because when the bullets are alive it's very interesting or very challenging to try to figure out if a plus b doesn't equal c, what do we do and you won't know the answer to if what C is until the game happens. And if you get the wrong answer in the game, you start losing games. So there's a reason that there's people that bring systems along. I thought that what he was saying was in a way, very correct as far as what modern football should be. But I also thought that it showed a lack of experience in the sense that he didn't really have an identity, um, which in a lot of ways is positive for a young coach and positive for a team with talent. Uh, But at the end of the day, those core concepts will be developed so no matter how much you say that you want to be flexible. They're going to have core concepts, maybe both sides of the ball. They don't know what those are quite yet. Um, but other thing about this, too, is when you're talking about being flexible, recruit who are the best players and build a system. Um, you know, I think that it's not quite as sustainable as well as there's very few players with the talent of someone like Troy Anderson where you can just build a system around that person. So most guys, even at the highest level of FCS football, have an element of limitation that it's a high level of football. Both sides of the ball are going to be good as far as offense versus any defense you play. That little bit of limitation then brings you to the fact of, well, if we don't have Troy Anderson going and we don't have core concepts, then what are we supposed to do here? A plus B stops equaling C. It starts to be a guessing game. And some of those things can be challenging, especially for a young coach or especially for a tough schedule when you have two road games back-to-back. I know that Montana State's last four games of the season are some pretty premier games. Eastern Washington, Montana's included in there. You start to get on a little bit of a losing streak, or you start to get in a road environment where maybe fans are back in the stands. Some of those core concepts will have to be established for them to have success.
0: Nuwana's now. Brooks Nuwana's joining us on the Rangets Brothers RV fold line. Breaking down, Montana State's hiring of their offensive and defensive coordinators, Taylor Housewright and Freddie Banks, respectively. And Brooks, Brent Vegan, a, new, a first-year head coach, and I'm so interested and intrigued to see all the things that go into that and how it impacts him. He seems very uh, happy, cool, calm, collected, confident, all those things right now. The the weight and the stress of the world has not hit him yet, and I don't think it will. You, if you get hired this time of year, you get this nine-month honeymoon period before you actually have to prepare for a game and before you know, all of the different demands and people are pulling you in all these different directions. That said... First-year head coaches, whether it was Bobby Houck back in 2003 or Jeff at Montana or Jeff Choate in 2016 at Montana State, or uh, even Mick Delaney at Montana in 2012, oftentimes one of the biggest learning curves is relinquishing control, letting your coaches coach. I've seen it so much with Bobby Houck here in Missoula when he first was at Montana. Bobby Houck was all over the offense and the defense. Ralph Fennessy came to Montana with a bunch of spread elements in his offense, and they kind of did that early. But then by the, the heart and the second part of that seven-year tenure, it was just ground and pound all day. And part of that was because well, that's what Coach Houck wanted. And defensively as well. A lot of just really solid, non-exotic defensive schemes. At Montana State, Jeff Choate was meddling in everything. I think that's why he had five offensive coordinators in four years. Defensively, even even though know, Ty Gregorek was uh, a, a veteran in this conference, they were running choke scheme, and choke you know was moving Ty up and down from the box onto the sideline, back up to the box, and there was just seemed like there was a, a lot of behind the scenes stuff going on. So that's what I'm so intrigued with with Brent Vegan. How, how much does he have an influence in the offense? But more importantly, how much does he have an influence in the defense? Because I don't really know what sort of acumen he can fall back on for that. I mean, even though Choate was a defensive coach, he'd coached running backs at Boise State. He'd been involved in offensive game playing at the FBS level, whereas Vegan has been strictly an offensive guy his entire career. So what happens when there actually needs to be some meddling from the head coach and and the, it's it's not the, the style or, or the acumen that he has? I just think that that's a, a huge question mark as we go into this with both the coordinators being so young and inexperienced.
4: Yeah, I, I agree with you absolutely. I, I think that there's probably, you know, a little bit of like you say, he gets a chance to to get his feet wet within the program first, which I think is probably pretty important um, as far as that nine month, ten month window goes. Um, but one thing as you mentioned about a lot of these different guys, as far as we're talking about maybe Jeff Choate and and Bobby Helk, for instance, both guys who who Choke partially called some plays, but mostly guys that were position coaches. Um, So I think that Vegan might have a little bit of a leg up as far as being an offensive coordinator. All you're doing is looking at defense as an offensive coordinator. You have a pretty good idea of what works against different offense. So I think maybe he has a little bit of a leg up on someone. Jeff Choke talks a lot about in that first year. I watched extensively, um, you know, first person 10 feet away, watch Jeff Choke coach defensive line. Um, And he clearly has a very good understanding for individual defensive line technique, individual defensive line principles. Um, Well, the scheme-wise, of course, he has a deep understanding of all aspects of football, but not calling plays is a little bit of a different aspect. And I think that, you know, you see a lot in the NFL is is guys don't really get a turn until they've they've called plays, and it's kind of for a reason. Uh, So I I think Vegan may have a little bit of a a leg up there. I'm also interested to see if he can bring some of the. Uh, while it's you know it's very fiery and enthusiastic, there is a little bit of the of the North Dakota State background, and he's he's getting some pieces that have played at North Dakota State or have North Dakota State influences on the staff. That North Dakota State uh, background, there's a little element of calm within that program. There's a little bit of uh, an element of of a high level of preparation that keeps you pretty. Uh, level-headed on game day. I'm interested to see if he still has that kind of in the cards, being with with Bull for so long at Wyoming. Um, You know, uh, that whole program, what NDSU looks like, kind of comes down, trickles down from that long coaching tree, which he's been such a part of. I'm very interested to see his influence um, from that North Dakota State background and kind of how that plays, especially on game days.
0: No doubt. It's going to be fascinating to follow. Brooks DeWana is joining us. And we've got to pivot real quick and just talk about uh, Big Sky Conference basketball on both the men's and women's side just really quick. I know we only have a couple minutes left here. But Montana, they pulled out a 64-58 win at Idaho State last night. Uh, But the Grizz, I think that they still, I mean, they're sort of still in the mix for the number five seed. But it's definitely been a tough year for Montana. There's no question about it. Uh, But on the women's side, the big news was the cancellation of the idaho Montana. State series, and then now it seems like those COVID protocols are going to trickle into next week as well because Idaho's game against Montana that was scheduled for Wednesday is not happening. They still could have it on Friday, so we'll see. But now this turns into a huge mess because last night Idaho State drilled Montana. They dominated the fourth quarter, and they beat the Lady Grizz 79-49. It was a 10-point game going into the final frame, and Idaho State completely pulled away with it. And of all the teams I've seen, I've been impressed with Montana State. I've watched Idaho on the live stream, but I've not seen them yet in person and I was excited to watch them yesterday, but then that just didn't happen because of the positive tests within the program. But now here we are with Idaho missing both Montana State games and one out of the two Montana games. Now the Vandals basically dodged the third and fourth teams in the league. Dodge is the wrong word, but they they won't get to play them in three of the last four games of the season. Well, Idaho State is coming off this run where they had to play in Moscow. They had to play a home against Idaho. They split it. They had to play a home-and-home against Montana State. They split it. And now they have to play in Missoula twice. They won last night. Can they complete the sweep? But there's a scenario here, Brooks, where Idaho State could continue to win, but now with Idaho getting these games canceled – Idaho only needs to win their last game, and they could be the league champions even though Idaho State has more league wins because of win percentage. And so to me, I just think that would be very unfortunate. You saw the Bengals live and in person last week. I just feel like it would be very unfortunate if Idaho won the league based on win percentage, not based on overall wins. Because to me, even though they split, I know I know Idaho State split the last two weekends, it's still to me, Idaho State's the best team.
4: Yeah, I agree with you completely. I mean, what do you do in 2020, 2021? I mean, the the, the time of COVID in all of our lives has, has changed kind of the, all dynamics. So, you know, I, I don't think anything needs to have an asterisk per se, but I, 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 I am an agreeable that as far as the team that plays the most games that has the most wins very likely should probably be the league champion. But the thing is about that is – Boise is going to happen. And there's a neutral site tournament, which is probably the best thing for the league as far as once the league figures out a way to win a game in the tournament. Um, And the big dance, that is. I don't really know if Idaho State cares all that much with five seniors, uh, if they're the one seed or the two seed, if they're the regular season champions or not. That game... In Boise on a Friday night, we'll probably come to Idaho. Idaho State, if it all if it goes chalk, and it's the one-two seed, and I think Idaho State would feel pretty comfortable playing uh, playing that game, uh, no matter what the seeding is, um, with it, with the you know the excitement of getting to play in the big dance on the line. So, I look at it just like that, you know, line it up in the tournament and see what happens.
0: No question, then We will be very excited to do that. Nuana's is now taking the show on the road. We'll be in Boise for the duration. Stem to Stern we will be there March 7th through March 14th. And we'll also be heading to the NCAA tournament in Indianapolis, unless one of the Montana schools wins. We might be heading to San Antonio. Stay tuned for that. But either way, we will have NCAA tournament coverage for you regardless. And uh, Skyline Sports, Skyline skylinesportsnt.com, myself and Brooks, we will both be there live and in person as well. Brooks will be bringing out all the awesome photography for uh, athletes and co. Coaches all across the league and I'll be pumping out stories and podcasts and a whole bunch of content as well so be sure to check out scottonsportsmt.com and keep it right here on 1029 ESPN as well as statewide on SWX Montana Television. Brooks, happy birthday buddy. I can't wait to see you tonight and uh, we'll uh, we'll catch up with you here in a moment but thanks so much for joining us today.
4: Absolutely man, appreciate it.
0: There you go, Brooks Nuanas. best of the biz. Gotta get out because we have our Mattress Room Student of the Week coming up next, Sabrin Knight. She's a senior at Missoula Sentinel, a very accomplished young lady. That's on the other side. (laughs)
2: to more
0: hey, we are back. Happy Friday, everybody. I am Coulter Nuanas. You are listening to Nuanas Now, your one-stop shop for all things sports, each and every day right here on 1029 ESPN Missoula, as well as statewide on SWX Montana Television. Don't have any time to waste. we got to go down to the Rangish Brothers RV phone line and welcome in our Mattress Firm Student of the Week, Sabrina Knight. She's a senior at Missoula Sentinel High School, and she's involved in all sorts of stuff, which we're going to get to. But Sabrin, thanks so much for being with us. How are you?
5: Yeah, I'm good. How
0: are you? Very well. Thank you so much for being with us. Congratulations on your award. By the way, Mattress Firm, they uh, give away a student of the week each and every week. They're looking for students who give their all in school, at play, and in their communities, whether it's math club, marching band, cheerleading, gymnastics, chess club, football, basketball, track, whatever you organized activities you might be uh, involved in or organizations you might be involved in. If you know a great student, go ahead and nominate them. All you got to do is go to mattressfirm.com and backslash student to submit submit and at the end of the year, a $3,000 scholarship awaits the student voted as the student of the year by the residents of the great state of Montana. Saber, so, let's start with the uh, the sports element here. You spent your first three years of your high school career at Missoula Big Sky. Now you transferred over to Missoula Sentinel. Uh, but you're a track star. So tell us a little bit about just your track and field journey. I love track and field. What events do you compete in? And uh, what are some of your favorite things about the sport?
5: Yeah. Um, so I do the 100, 200, 400, and then I do both relays. So four by one and four by four. And yeah, I mean, I love that mental toughness aspect of track and what it brings. You know, it really brings out the best of me. I've, I've learned a lot within the past, like five years of doing track. Um, yeah, I, I just love it. I'm just pushing myself, bettering myself, you know?
0: And now you join a track program that has had a tremendous amount of success in recent years. Uh, The Missoula Sentinel girls have won a couple state championships and also got a place on the podium in the top three in the team race over the last handful of years. The boys won the last time we had an actual state championship in track as well. I, I coach Mettler, Craig Mettler, a uh, good buddy of this show and one of my old friends as well. He's done a great job with that track program. So just, just tell us about uh, your opportunity to finish your career now with, with the Spartans because it seems as if you're joining a pretty darn good program.
5: Yeah, I, it's an awesome opportunity. I'm so glad I got to, you know, be a begin to be a part of this, you know. Um, I'm super excited. The coaches were very welcoming. I'm hoping to go out with a bang and you know get that state title hopefully with my teammates you know I've already created some really great bonds with some of the people over there like um, Sacramento State Committee Audrey McAmory. and I've just I've, I'm really excited to finish out my last year before I go off to college um, with my sister over there and some really great people and coaches over there
0: so we got to get to this with your sister. So, I, uh, do I have this right? You're a triplet. Is that correct?
5: Yeah, that's yes, yeah,
0: that's correct. So I, I'm sure this is normal for you, since it's just you. It's just your life. But uh, I have to say, I believe this is the first time we've ever had a triplet on our uh, our daily talk show. So that in itself is sort of cool. But uh, we, we, I think, I think twins are fascinating. My best friends growing up, my whole childhood. were twins. Uh, They're both great athletes. Ended Mm -hmm. up playing football for the Grizz. Um, But we've talked to a lot of different athletes that are twins and we talk about, you know, it seems a lot of times they want to go do the exact same thing. They want to pursue the same um, goals and and athletic uh, ventures. And a lot of times, like Willa Albrecht who plays basketball for the Lady Grizz and her sister who plays over at Cornell, they decided, hey, no, we want to go the opposite. One's going to (laughs) move to the East Coast and one's going to stay here in Montana. So, I mean, how has it influenced you? What is it like being Triple because I'm sure it's at equal times, you know, a struggle to find your own identity, but also pretty cool to always have somebody there for you.
5: Oh man, yeah, no, it definitely is. You know, um, it's it's awesome. You know, you're all someone's always there. You know, when my brother also, and they're always they're always there if you need them. Um, and on top of that, we just have that special bond that you know, no one uh, I don't have with anyone else. Um, it's awesome, you know, I love it, you know, we always push each other to be better, and all aspects from track, and then when we used to play basketball, to school, to everything all around, so it's really cool to have a special bond that, like, I don't even think, like, regular siblings have, it's just, you know, it's pretty special.
0: Sabre Knight joining us, she's our mattress firm student of the week, each and every week, Uh, ESPN Missoula, as well as SWX Montana Television. We pair together, and we find great athletes from around the state of Montana, great prep athletes, great high school athletes from around the state of Montana. And it doesn't matter if you're an athlete, actually. You can be involved in anything and everything. And Sabrin, you are involved in quite a great deal of things. First of all, I want to ask you about your uh, photography pursuits. I run a multimedia company outside of uh, my job here at at Missoula Broadcasting Company. And uh, my my brother Brooks, who just joined us on the show, uh, he's a great photographer. He's been doing it for about 10 years but I know you have done some work now as a freelance photographer so tell us about that I mean how did you get into it and what do you enjoy about doing photography
5: yeah no I um, I've always enjoyed the camera you know I've always been intrigued by it you know even with like my little iPod when I was a sixth grader I just I loved I love doing that and looking at the bigger picture of things and noticing small things you know Um, but definitely as like, I got into high school, you know, I was seeing other people like take pictures, like seniors that, you know, and I'm just a little freshman, like, you know, that's, that's really cool. Like, you know, maybe I should like get into that more. Um, and then, yeah, I just, I got a camera at one point and then I just really, I found myself really enjoying it. And so then I just kept continuing to do it and I'm just trying to learn. I'm learning every time I pick up a camera, which is great. And yeah, it's, it's great.
0: What is your favorite thing to photograph?
5: Oh man, that's that's tough. <laughs> it's it's gotta be either like action shots, you know, like basketball. Um, those are always very fun and it's always a good reward when you've been like trying to get like a certain shot or definitely like landscape of like sunsets or all of that. I really enjoy I really enjoy everything around photography, you know. <laughs>
0: You're involved in a couple other things as well. So first of all, tell us about your involvement with the Central Health Occupation chapter. What does that all entail? What have you learned
5: from that? Yeah, yeah. So um, that's awesome. Hosa is like a, a great club. Um, it definitely taught me a lot in terms of like the health community. Um, it's awesome. You know, it's taught made me like look forward to you know, 10 years down the road when hopefully I'll be become an athletic trainer. Um, it definitely teaches you all around, like all around aspects of different jobs that you can go into the field and it's really inspiring other people to, you know, get involved with it and, and not even just get involved with like the health medical health field, but get involved with like other things around like school and your community. It's It's great, you know. And a part of what we've been doing this year is Obviously, during this pandemic, it's been hard to find certain events to do, but we're making like cards for um, like front lines people, whether it be police officers, you know, like not just healthcare workers. We're just really trying to help other people through the pandemic. So I think that's that's a really cool thing to be a part of.
0: And how about your uh, participation as a student board member of the Missoula Education Foundation? What does this all entail?
5: yeah so this so basically we're just known as nominating uh teacher of the year so we do it for high school middle school and then elementary um so we're basically just striving to uh recognize outstanding teachers and we're also we have a website missoula education foundation um that there's certain like scholarships listed so for anyone that like is curious in like scholarships um we're gonna go ahead and like you know fix that website and add it on there we're really just trying to help students out you know and make them more knowledgeable for what's ahead of them you know and so that's that's kind of what we do for for that yeah
0: well, Saber, this has been outstanding. We'll get you out of here on this. It's Saber Night. She's joining us on the Rangish Brothers RV phone line. She is our mattress firm student of the week. We do this each and every week as a collaboration with SWX Montana as well. And Saber, I, I heard you mention there for a brief second that athletic training might be in your future. So is that what you want to pursue at the at the college level? And and what are your plans for next year after you graduate high school? Yeah, yeah. So
5: yeah, I'm really hoping to uh, continue and be an athletic trainer you know i was looking at like physical therapy but i think since i'm like really outgoing and you know i really enjoy like sports and watching sports and all that i think athletic training is you know the best go for me and um but yeah i mean after high school i'm definitely going to continue my athletic career um for track it's undecided i'm currently talking to gonzaga and a couple other schools but um, that should be determined here pretty soon when we start off track and get everything finalized. Um, but, yeah, you know, just that's, that's kind of what's happening right now. We're just trying to, me and my sister are just trying to get ready for the season and see what it has to hold, and we'll make our decision on that.
0: Sabre night our Mattress Firm Student of the Week. We wish you the best of luck with the rest of your senior year here, especially when track season rolls around. But thanks so much for taking some time with us here, and we really appreciate it. And congratulations again on your award.
5: Thank you so much.
0: Sabre Knight, Mattress Firm Student of the Week. Just go to mattressfirmmt.com backslash students for all the information on how to nominate Students of the Week that was a good one. Outstanding young lady from Missoula Sentinel. Very fun to have her on the show. You're listening to Nuanez now on 102.9 ESPN Missoula, as well as statewide on SWX Montana Television. Hour one in the books, hour two coming at you. Hot Sam Herder, Hero Sports, talking all things spring football, as well as Carolyn, our resident chick who doesn't know sports. On the other side, 102.9 ESPN Missoula, statewide SWX Montana Television.